0: It's good to be with you here this morning. Uh, we are continuing our series on the Holiday Survival Guide. If you will remember, last week, Pastor Brandon talked about the attitude that we need to have in conflict. Today, we're going to talk about conflict again. He said, We're going to be talking about the step by step directions that we need to follow in order to eliminate conflict. Which, of course, means that I'm going to be teaching you how to win all of your arguments, <laughs> right? And, and just put down anybody that's coming after you, right? Because we need the good guys to win one, right? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> God does, in fact, want the good guys to win, but in a very, very, very different way. And Matthew five nine is a perfect example of this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become the sons. They shall be called the sons of God. If we call ourselves Christians, we need to be looking at ourselves as peacemakers. In Ephesians four twenty nine, he breaks it down further. Let let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So this morning we're going to be looking at how to become peacemakers. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get to know you better. Father, this is a difficult topic. We ask that you would help us to use your principles and your guidance in our lives, Lord, so that we can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. We pray your will be done in all things. Amen. So why peace? Why do we even want to attempt to become peacemakers? Well, one reason why is that conflict really messes us up. It causes us to lose sleep. It causes us to be distracted. We have a hard time interacting with others. It can mess up families. It can result in divorce and all sorts of horrible stuff. Conflict is a big mess. And the tendency of conflict is not to stay contained. The tendency of conflict is that it starts to spill over into other areas. And so if you have a couple of families that have conflict, society isn't as affected very much. But if you have a lot of families that are starting to be feeling conflict, then that can spill over into a lot of areas, and suddenly it feels like everywhere you turn, you're looking at angry people who are not giving anybody the benefit of the doubt, that are out to get them, just waiting for somebody to mess up so they can pounce. Conflict messes up the world. If we don't have peacemakers to hold it back in check, how bad can it get? Remember the story of Noah before the flood, how each generation got worse than the previous generation? That's how bad it can get. It's a horrible, horrible situation. Another reason why we want peace is because God says so. God, who loves us and cares for us and really wants to help us, says that this is the best way for us. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself is referred to as the Prince of Peace. Conflict is a horrible thing, and hopefully you can realize that conflict is never the goal. Conflict is the thing that we need to uh, get rid of. We need to remove that from our lives and from our society. But unfortunately, there is one individual who's all for conflict, and that's Satan. If God is for peace, Satan is for conflict. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to isolate you so he can work you over. He is all for conflict. This is a major piece of what it is that he does and how he's able to destroy so much. And that's why God tells us, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. He goes on and says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Both of these are found in Ephesians. Do not allow the evil one into your life. Do not allow conflict to take over your life, your family life, your relationship with coworkers, or wherever it may be. We have to stop it. And because Satan has declared war on you, we need to battle for peace. So here's the outline this morning. It's going to be the rest of the sermon is broken down into three different sections. First of all, when we are going to battle, we need to know what the rules of engagement are so that way we can function well. We also need to have training. We need to have battlefield training. And finally, I'm going to give you a battle guide. The, the day that you walk in on Thanksgiving and you come up to a situation where there might be conflict, this will help you to be able to use your training and use these rules to most greatest effect. So, first of all, let's start off with the rules of engagement. Those of, uh, people who have studied battles in the past know that in order to win a war, you don't need to win every battle. As a matter of fact, some battles need to be avoided entirely. Uncle Baba believes that the world is flat. Okay? You've given him all the evidence, but he is absolutely determined to tell you that the world is flat. Is that really a battle worth fighting? Now, maybe they're going to think Uncle Bubba's a little weird, but you know what? Uncle Bubba, Bubba probably has a couple of other issues going on anyway. Matthew 7, 6 talks about how we should not give pearls to swine. We should not give fancy, expensive jewelry to a pig because a pig is not going to be able to appreciate it. We should not take words of wisdom and try to give it to somebody who has no interest in wisdom whatsoever, has no interest in having a discussion is just interested in believing what it is that they want to believe. This is not something that you can make headway on. However, if you are to win a war, you have to win some battles. And some of these battles are battles that are just must-win. If there's some sort of self-destructive behavior or destructive behavior towards others, that would be an example of a battle that needs to be won. But the reality is, is that we tend to avoid battles, right? We tend to avoid that little elephant in the room. And every year, you know what's happening? That elephant, (laughs) it isn't getting smaller. It's getting smellier. It's getting more destructive. And quite frankly, it's getting a little dangerous. And it's not something that should be avoided. If you know that there is a battle that has to be won, You have to be willing to confront that elephant as well. So how do we do it? How do we win these battles? Well, there's two rules, just two, two main rules in order to win the battle. First one is that you cannot fix other people. I have been doing counseling, family counseling for decades, and not one person have I ever fixed. I haven't. Not a single person. I have made persuasive arguments. I've laid out alternative ways of thinking, different ways of interacting with each other. These are all things that I have done. But I've never actually fixed anybody. Because you know who can fix somebody? It's themselves. They can make the decision. They and God. Ezekiel 36, 26 talks about how God can change people's hearts. But we cannot now, just a little subset on this. If you and your happiness is dependent upon somebody else's actions, you're going to be in trouble. If you open up your brain and let Uncle Bubba come in and grab that steering wheel of your emotions, prepare for a wild ride, right? You've got to take Uncle Bubba away from those, that steering wheel. Get him out of your head. If there is somebody who is abusive, somebody who is very centered towards conflict, they cannot be allowed to be in control of your emotions. I know that's easier said than done, but awareness is half the battle. So I've just told you that you can't fix other people, but I've also said that we have to win some battles. So how do we not fix the person who's causing all this conflict and still win the battle? Do we just hope? Do we pray? Well, yes, that's part of it. But that comes to rule two, and that is that you can change your response. You can change your response. Now, I know some of you are getting mad at me. Why do I have to change for their bad behavior? They're the ones who's causing so much conflict in our lives. They have damaged so many people. Why do I, it's not fair that I am the one who has to change. That makes no sense at all. Well, I want to put to you a question. Consider this. How have you been interacting with this person? Have you been making little snide remarks? Have you been calling them names? <laughs> have you been telling them how crazy they are and confronting them? If you are doing these things, you may not be the instigator of the problem, But you are adding fuel in the fire and helping this to perpetuate. You're adding fuel to the fire. So that's how you can contribute to the problem. How can we take care of this problem? How can we end it? Well, one way is to treat them with respect and compassion. I know. I can hear you. Are you kidding me? Do you know this monster, how awful they are? I'm supposed to respect this crazy person who's caused so much damage? I'm supposed to show compassion to them? Are you kidding me? You are not aware of what this person has done. Yes. Yes, I understand. And yes, you're supposed to show them respect. Let me tell you a story. So down south, there were a number of churches that came together and they started to together kind of this joint statement of faith of what they felt was important according to the bible and one of those things was that they believed in a traditional marriage well there was a very active homosexual group in this city and as you can imagine (laughs) they did not like this so they went on the news and they said you know what we're going to go to the largest church in our community and we're going to protest in two weeks we're going to be there so the church knew that they were coming and they decided to prepare and they prepared well so when the protesters showed up there was a wall of police. They had a whole posse of young, able-bodied young men as for ushers. <laughs> they were absolutely ready. And the protesters came in and they, they did a lot of, of messing around. They kept people from being able to park and get into the parking lot. They kept people from being able to get into the church. And they yelled obscenities at man, woman, and child. And boy, did they create a ruckus. They just, they just had a field day. And so the congregation arrives, and you know what they did? They treated it like the elephant in the room. Nope, don't see anything, don't hear anything, everything's just fine. And it seems like that might be the wise thing to do. Hmm. But at the end of the day, both sides declared victory. The church said, you know what, we did a great job. Okay, so a couple of us made some snide comments, but they were beautiful. (laughs) They were so perfect. They set themselves up for it. Okay, but for the most part, we behaved ourselves, right? And the protesters were like, this is just perfect. This is great. We're uh, creating so much awareness for our cause. In fact, they were so excited, they said, let's do this again. So in two weeks, we're going to go to another big church in the area, and we're going to do the whole thing all over again. And this church, they were prepared as well. Except there wasn't a wall of police waiting. There was some regular people from the congregation sitting there waiting, including some of the leaders of the church. And they had tents and canopies under their arms. And, and they said, they went up to the protesters and they said, where is it that you guys would like to go to protest? Because we know it's going to be a hot day. We want to set up these canopies and these tents to protect you from the sun, because this is down in the south, and you get pretty hot, and it was in the summer. Here's some water as well. And we know that this is a long day because we have a lot of services, so you're going to be here for a lot of hours, so here's some food. Wow. <laughs> These protesters were like, what's going on? So when the congregation arrived, they, they sort of blocked the way into the parking lot. And they didn't bother blocking the way into the church. And some of them yelled out profanities, but you could tell that their heart wasn't in it. And so the congregation arrived, and you know what they did was they greeted these people. They talked to them. Some of them, instead of going to the service, spent the entire hour just listening to what they had to say, just talking with them and treating them with respect and compassion. Protesters were like, what is going on? Two weeks later, two of the protesters actually came to the church to see, what is going on with this community? I've never seen anything like that. And you know what? That was the last church they ever protested. Conflict was done. So, how does that go about happening? Well, first of all, we have to accept a very strong reality about ourselves. Peace does not come naturally to us. We do in fact need training. To be effective, we have to be genuinely change our approach to conflict. Last week, Um, Pastor Brandon said that we cannot fake it to make it, right? We can't fake it until we make it. It's not going to work. Do you think these protesters would have picked up on somebody just faking uh, compassion? No, we have to allow God into our hearts and into our minds and allow him to actually transform us and help us. This has to be a genuine thing. And like I said, this is not a natural thing. Peace has not come to us very naturally. So how do we do it? We read scripture. God knows us. He has incredible wisdom, incredible intelligence. And he wrote it in a book, and it is available to us. And it is held up for thousands of years. What are some of the things that he has to say? Well, we see in James 4, 1 and 2, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your desire desire and, desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. How good a description is this of what our society is like today? This could be written in an advice column today. And yet this was written 2,000 years ago. We also have Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And you're probably thinking, well, duh. That makes perfect sense. But how many of us give a harsh word to somebody and we're so surprised? They're angry. (laughs) Where did this conflict come from? I can't imagine it is solid advice. This is stuff that we need to hear. In Matthew 7, three, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? You know what the number one complaint against Christians is? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. We are so good at picking out the tiniest little speck that we see. But boy, we don't want to use that same magnifying glass on our own lives. We don't. Because what the horrors that we would see. Now imagine these just these three passages if the world were to apply that to their lives we would have a completely different society and this is just three and there are hundreds hundreds of passages and stories and all sorts of guidance that we can get out of scripture. So how do we find it? Well there's a number of ways that we can find it. I'm sorry that that's not real easy to see, but it says biblehub.com. It's a great website. You can type in the word conflict or any word that you want, and then you can choose whatever translation of the Bible that you want, and it'll bring up all the verses related to that topic. And there's another one. Now, this is the longer one. It's called openbible.info backslash topics. That's openbible.info backslash topics. There you can type in a sentence. How do I deal with conflict in my family? And it'll try to find verses related to that entire sentence. So it's a little more work, but maybe you could get something a lot more precise. Also, in the back of many of your Bibles, you can just look up the word conflict. They have a whole bunch of different subjects. It's all listed alphabetically. And then they'll list all the verses related to conflict. So we can read scripture. Another thing that we can do is we can read books. Uh, Two great books that I really recommend is The Peacemaker. Uh, It's basically the gold standard. This has been around a long time. A lot of people have used this. In fact, people who write books about making peace often refer to this book. It's really an excellent book. Another one that is uh, more recent and takes a more humorous approach, as you can probably tell by the book cover, uh, Dealing with the Elephant in the Room. Um, Both of these books, I have taken uh, material and I have used it And it is very effective. As a matter of fact, I've taken some of the material and even put it in this sermon this morning. Other things that we can listen to is listen to this, or other things that we can do is listen to this sermon. Listen to Pastor Brandon. Uh, Tony Evans is a great speaker. He's got some great stuff on conflict. Uh, Kyle Eidelman, uh, Matt Chandler, Stuart Briscoe, uh, Charles Stanley. There's a lot of great preachers out there that have done a lot of work and put together a lot of information on how to deal with conflict but you know what? We can have all of this information and we can agree, boy, this is great stuff. Man, I could really get somewhere with this, but unless we are willing to allow God to come in and lead our hearts and our minds, it is useless. It is useless. So what does it look like when we want to do this training with God? Well, let me show you.
1: quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1, 19. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? James 4, 1. seems right to man, but in the end, leads to death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. The application coming out of all that we looked at last week was to begin to understand the most difficult part of any conflict was seeing our part in it. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Hebrews 3, 13. Hey, hun, do you think that I feel I always have to win an argument? Hey, that's not an answer. Actually, that is an answer. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I invalidate people when I get worked up. Sometimes, yes. in an argument, you don't really win anything. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Be Be devoted to one another in love. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Honor one another. Comfort comfort one another. (laughs) Agree with one another. Love others. Forgive others as Christ loves and forgives me.
0: You're ready. Can we get out? Can we get out? Can you guys?
1: Yes, we can get out. What can I
2: carry?
0: So, do you think when he shows up for Thanksgiving, anybody's going to notice a change in him? <laughs> How prepared do you think he is for the conflicts that he is going to be having to deal with? Wow, right? Is he going to be part of the source of the conflict, or is he going to be part of the source of the problem or the uh, the answer, the resolving the conflict? He is going to be part of the answer, right? Most definitely. He is most definitely prepared. And not only is he prepared for that circumstances, but think about the legacy that he is leaving for his children. Our kids are going to have to deal with a lot of conflict. We have to deal with a lot of conflict. A lot of people would argue that there is more conflict than there's ever been in in generations. So our kids definitely need to be prepared for that. How well prepared are they going to be because of the example that their dad is giving them? Now, I know that we're only a couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving and that you can't do um, you know, half the amount of preparation that this guy has done, but you can take a look at one area of your life. Maybe you have a little bit of a short temper. Maybe you have this need to get into the last word. Whatever it is, use this as an opportunity to work on these things. Look, look whatever that problem up in the Bible And see what God has to say about that. Bring your family and friends in there and ask them to help you. And I'll bet you that Thanksgiving is going to be a different experience for you if you can really buckle down and commit to this and allowing God to speak to you. So we are battling for peace. And we looked at the rules of engagement and we realized that we cannot fix others, but we can, in fact, change our response. And we've also taken a look at the training, the bringing in Scripture into our lives, reading books, uh, hanging out with other Christians and allowing them into our lives and and giving us feedback and listening to um, uh, all sorts of different speakers who have put together some excellent material on conflict. But none of that works until you are allowing God to work on your heart and on your mind. So I'd like to conclude with the battle guide. And this is when you walk in that day into Thanksgiving and you're you're dealing with some people that want to have conflict with you. This is how you use the training and the rules to best effect. The first thing that we can do is focus on individuals. Don't look at just the whole crowd and say, wow, there's so many people here. Think about the individuals that you can have conversations with. And our tendency is to go to the people that agree with us, that we like, that we can hang out with, that are very much like us. But you know what? This could be a great chance for you to talk to Uncle Baba. Baba, Talk to him about the weather. Talk to him about how his, his year has been, right? Very mundane topics. Use this as an opportunity to be respectful and kind to him. Don't bring up the stuff that's going to cause all the controversy, right? Let him feel the love that you can have for him, right? And that can be the beginning of the conversation. it could be quite a fruitful conversation. And then you can also, of course, talk with your favorite people. If you feel the emotions starting to build up (laughs) and the tension, take a break. (laughs) Go take 10 minutes and pray. Take a walk, whatever you need to do, right? Rebuild up your reservoir so you're not just reacting out of emotions. And speaking of which, don't react at all. Respond. Uncle Bubba has got some awesome material. He is just dying to try on you this Thanksgiving. It is really good stuff. And he is looking forward to the reaction he's going to be able to get out of you. He just knows it's going to be fantastic. Take the wind out of his sails. Treat him with respect and compassion instead. And be amazed. And be amazed. You know what? You may not ever change Uncle Bubba. He might still continue to do the things because remember, we can't fix people. But he's going to have a very different perspective towards you. And there's a very good chance he could, in fact, change. And of course, we pray. We pray before, we pray during, we pray after, we bring family and friends and whoever we can to pray. Why do we pray? We pray because God is just dying to come in and help you with this situation. Does he want to help your relationships? The greatest two commandments, according to Jesus, are love God love each other. Is he committed to that? Does he want healthy relationships? Absolutely. Bring him into the situation. 1 John 5, 14, and many other passages tell us that when we pray for things that are God's will, amazing things are going to happen. He will hear us. He will respond. I'd like to give you one last story. This is about a friend of mine. I'm going to call him John. He grew up in an atheist household. Yet somehow, as a child, I think it was as a teenager, he became a Christian. And he made it kind of his life's goal to bring his family to Christ. And he would get into all sorts of arguments, and he would frequently lose these arguments because he just didn't have enough information. But I think it's one of the main reasons that he decided to become a pastor So he would have the information. So he did become a pastor. And as he was learning, he learned how to answer all of their questions, deal with all of their arguments. And it got to the point where he won every single battle there was. But he came up to me and he said, you know what? I'm losing the war. They don't even want to look at me. They don't even want to talk to me. They see me, they turn around, and they walk the other way. They don't have any sort of interactions with me. So you know what I'm going to try? I'm going to try compassion. I'm going to try being respectful because I have not been respectful. I've been about winning the argument and crushing them (laughs) and showing them how wrong they are. But I'm going to try compassion. And after a few years, his parents started going to his church. Now, I haven't talked to this guy in a long time. But I do know that his family started welcoming him back that they were willing to have conversations with him. His kids and their kids all play together now. It has been an amazing amazing transformation. The reality is is the path to peace is not an easy way to go. But it is in fact the only way to win the war. So let's close with the word of God. Ephesians 4:32 Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Imagine a world where this was held in high esteem. How changed would the world be? How changed would you be if you made this a priority in your life? Let's pray. Father, we are so humbled that you love us, despite our rebellion with you. Father, we are so encouraged to know that you want us to get rid of the conflict in our lives, that you want to help us along. Thank you for the gift of your word that we can go to and get the wisdom that we need. Thank you for working on the hearts and the minds of of pastors and authors and people all over the world that can share their experiences as well and help guide us through this. Father, we ask that you would help us to be open and accept the responsibility that we have had in fueling this fire of conflict. Help us to instead be able to respond in genuine compassion. And quite frankly, we're going to need you because we're not feeling compassion towards these people. God, we are going to need your help, and we ask that you would come in and make the changes within us that we need to be peacemakers like you desire. We pray this in your son's name. A dark world we ask that you would help us to do that we thank you that you have given us your word you have given us a relationship with you that can help us with these things father we ask that you would help us to shine the light and not shine the darkness because it's the choice that we have to make father we ask that you help us to be peacemakers in a world that is filled with conflict We ask that your will will be done with us in all things at all times. We pray this in your Son's name.